Amen. Cool. Bit of a pressure to be the first one after the official video. So hopefully we do this justice. So slow down. What what do you make of that? Um, for me, it's really not something that comes naturally. Um, I live a very fast-paced life and I like to be busy. I like to fill my time with activities and stuff. Um, and I'm sure many of you are the same. Um, I've tried out a whole range of hobbies. Mike's, Mike gets a bit sick of me when I tell him. Yeah, but another one. I'm starting another one. I've done uh, baking, knitting, painting, woodwork. Um, I'm the kind of person who goes to Ikea and gets back and wants to build it immediately. I don't like to stop. I pride myself on my fast baking abilities. The other night I managed to bake a whole batch of cakes um, while Mike was putting Jonah to sleep. We're so used to a fast pace of life. Um, you know, I read quickly, I think quickly, I ask a million questions all at once. Fast-paced living is something that I'm very used to. And it isn't all bad. It has some great advantages. But fast-paced living does come with its dangers. I've seen what, I, what happens when I overload myself. Uh, when you're speeding on at life, it is often the small things that just knock you off track. And I've been learning how to slow down. Um, or how the Cambridge Dictionary describes it, how to be less active and relax more. Just as Richard and Judith said, we live in a society where fast-paced living is normal. And they're, and they're not the first to notice this. Um, on the New York Post website, I found an article about fast living. And it said, so is society, caught in a chaotic, frenzied spiral of a new addiction. People are chasing money, power, success and a wilder, faster pace of life. Just like any addiction, people are out of control in their behaviours, feelings and thinkings, yet they believe this is normal. You always move forward, and yet there are no limits to how far you can go or how fast you can get there. Don't pause, don't reflect. You win or lose, you'll fall behind and fall if you stop moving. Fast at any cost is the mantra of a stressed and distressed society today. And it went on to say, society is now dominated by beliefs, attitudes and ways of thinking that elevate the values of impulse, instant gratification and a loss of control to first line addictions and reactions. I want it now or do it now. They're all valued mantras for today with it person, young or old. And in our society right now, it seems as if speed is praised and rest and slowness is considered lazy. Calling someone slow is even part of an insult. And when someone takes a gap year, a sabbatical, or even just a day off, our first question usually is, well, how did you fill your time? And time has become a precious commodity in our world. And as something we can't get back, we feel we need to get as much out of it as possible. Which means squeezing more and more into our already busy lives. But at what cost? The article I spoke of earlier suggested all kinds of stress disorders, depression, anxiety, attention disorders. So what, as a Christian, does it mean for us? Perhaps we need to make a conscious effort not to get caught up in the fast pace of life. 
Perhaps it's first right to consider what Jesus said about our position in the world. Let's look at John 17, verse 13. Um, so uh, John seventeen thirteen says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your world, word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. They are not of the world. Jesus wanted us to be in the world, but he didn't want us to conform to all the worldly ways. Jesus said didn't Jesus didn't say being busy was a sin. Fast-paced tasks do have uses and places, but he didn't want us to get swept along with the busy, fast-paced, consumer-driven life that comes with a mountain of stress and anxiety that it's so easy to get lost in. On my way home from work the other day, I had the privilege of having my chauffeur with me. Mike and I do work in the same building, but um, he does cycle in when it's not raining. (laughs) But it was one of those days where I was endlessly staring at my phone screen, busy with pointless tasks, so much so that I was surprised when I looked of the view around me. And I wondered, how did we get here already? And it can be the same in life. You can be chasing a job so much that you lose sight of where you are. Your end goal is placed in an earthly dream and you're so busy looking towards it, you're not watching where your journey's taking you to. When Jesus talks about us being in the world but not of the world, there's also a hint of the now and the not yet. We are here on this earth, but we're made for something greater. We need to be present here, but also with our mindset on things above. Our end goal is that glorious picture of life when Jesus returns. But what about what happens now? What about the journey? What about your view from where you are today? Have you taken the time recently to slow down and enjoy that view? When I worked in Stoke, while still living in Manchester, there were about three different routes that I would take. And I'd used to pick depending on how bad the traffic was. There was the normal route, obviously, the fastest route, um, and that was on the M6. And the other routes took longer, but there was something very different about taking those routes. My favourite of which um, I would normally take home on a Friday, and it drove up from Stoke through farmland up to Leek, a rather small but pretty town, and then up to Macclesfield, and it's sort of just skirting around the edge of the Peak District. And I travelled very recently back in that direction as a passenger, and it just reminded me how stunningly beautiful the landscape is. You know, you can take the fast road and speed through, but when there's another option that causes you to slow down, it quite often gives you the chance just to enjoy what's around you. 
I used to spend a lot of my journeys talking to God and he'd always speak to me. And it was he spoke to me the most when I took the slow road home. The roads were far less busy. I'd get far less frustrated and annoyed with the traffic. And it gave me time, time to think, time to reflect on my day, time to give my day back to God. And it would also mean that when I'd get home, I'd be a nicer wife. You know, we know that throughout Ecclesiastes, the author um, is considering how man's efforts apart from God are meaningless. Um, Chapter 1, verse 14 reads, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Just like in the passage I read from John, it's been pointed out that we weren't made for this world. And the things of this world are not going to satisfy us. No matter what different worldly pursuits we're on, if they are not of this world, they are meaningless without God. Let's read Ecclesiastes 3 together. Uh, Verse 9. Okay. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good where they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift from God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. At first glance, this passage could seem like a bit of a contradiction um, to what I just read earlier. We've just literally spoken how things of this world are meaningless. But yet this passage speaks of how people trying, of people being happy and doing good while they live. What this passage is trying to lead you to is to change your perspective. It's interesting that um, that the word Mike brought was about um, taking a step. And you know, when you take a step as well, you you change your perspective a bit when you step out. Um, So verse 13 again reads, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift from God. It's a gift from God to eat or to drink or to enjoy your job or to find satisfaction in your life. Or as one commentary puts it, when we receive as God's gifts and to God's glory, the good things of life are enjoyed in their due time and order. We need to stop looking at things of this world for what we can gain by them. By looking at what you can gain, things literally are meaningless. And so instead, we should enjoy what God has given us. We need to change our perspective and view life from a kingdom perspective. So let's slow down and enjoy what God has given us. Let's consider what he's gifted to us and be thankful. When I worked in Stoke, um, my job was always attention to me. I loved the work I did as an art teacher. I loved the school, even the kids most days. 
But the location, ugh. My passion and heart since I moved here um, for uni has been for Manchester. It's my home. I love it. I pray for it. It's my city. So generally on my journeys, I had two options. I could moan about it, and sometimes I did, or I could slow down and make the most out of it. I could slow down and enjoy the view. And the time I spent with God in the car was priceless. I found satisfaction in my toil as I embraced the gift of my job from God. And perhaps there are things that you need to change your perspective on, change your view. Perhaps you've started running after that new job or new lifestyle. And as you take in the view around you, it's not where you want to be. It might be time to give those ideas back to God and ask him, is this what you've called me to? Is this what you want for me? In John 10.10, it says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God has gifted us with life. He's the one who breathed breath into us. He gave us life to have abundantly. It's interesting. When you go back to the article I started with, um, a lot of people spend their time knowing that it's limited. The Western idea of time looks from it looks at it from a linear perspective. It's got a beginning and an end. But we, we know our God is outside of time. We know that we don't need to f- fear the end of our time because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Death for us is the start of eternity in heaven. Therefore, we can focus on right now because we have faith that everything else God has taken care of. So what is your view right now? Are you happy? Are you enjoying the things that are surrounding you in life? Can you see all the possibilities of God's kingdom working through them? Or are things around you influencing you more than you are them? Is a group of friends you once saw meeting Jesus in your mind's eye now leading you down a path that you don't like the view of? One of the most amazing things about being a Christian is the fact that we have a loving relationship with our God. He's given us free will and therefore we do have a responsibility to choose where we position ourselves. We have to choose where we set our sights. Let's look at Matthew 6. So Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp of the body... The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve both God and money. Where is your priority? And what do you base your life around? Is it centered on a view of Christ? And is everything you do done out of love for him? Or is it revolving around earthly things? There's nothing wrong with being ambitious or wanting to do well at a job. But what is your motive in that? Are you using it for the glory of God? Are you seeking first his kingdom? A lot of our busyness and filling up our time with stuff sometimes comes from insecurities and the need for us to not deal with issues in our life. When you do take the time to reflect, that's sometimes when you start to panic. Um, A slightly menial example of this is when I come home um, after a busy day, the first thing that I notice is how untidy my house is. Um, And I often fall into the trap of not de-stressing from the busyness that I've just had. And I just re-busy myself tidying up and cleaning filling my life yet with more stuff let's continue on in Matthew um, 6 from verse 25 therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear it's not more than food and the body sorry is not life more than food and the body more than clothes Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the fields of the flowers grow. Um, I think I read that the wrong way around. The flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of those. Is that, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, here today and tomorrow is thrown. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first his kingdom. When you do that, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Or clothes or food or work or anything else. But to really not worry about tomorrow, we must be totally dependent on God. Our view of life must be through the eyes of people who are not of this world. People who have one foot here, but also one foot in heaven. Ready to bring the rule and reign of Jesus down to this earth. People who seek first the kingdom of God. And what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Or to have a heavenly perspective Or to be in the world and not of the world. To seek first the kingdom of God means to intentionally focus on and fully experience relationship with God. And that takes time. It takes sacrifice and for you to do something. It takes prayer, meditation on his word, worship, 
It takes you to spend time listening and waiting on God. But it's also about what you share with others. But to be able to share with others, we first must have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Just as Rian shared last week, we need to know who we are. We need to know what heaven's perspective looks like. So what can you see? What's your view from where you are up to in your life? When I was at school, I used to find it really easy to compartmentalize my life. Um, And I did it like via my friends. So I'd think about, I've got my school friends, my church friends, my street friends, my band friends. At one point, I'd got guides as well. Um, And then I've got my family. And you can even segment that into two halves. How many ways do you split yourself up? And how much of yourself do you give to each section? Perhaps take a moment to think about that. Whatever your view is, Jesus wants all of you. He wants the section of you that you give to your family, the bit that you give to work, the, spe- the piece of you that spends time moaning, and the piece that enjoys life. He wants all of you. He wants you to take your eyes off earthly things and for you to focus on him. He desires your undivided attention. And then once we've given up ourselves for him, perhaps we can then give him to the other things. For us to truly find fulfillment in our lives, we need to see our lives from a heavenly perspective. While our true goal is heaven, we must acknowledge the now of what is around us. We, need to, we live in an ever-changing climate of a fallen world, and we're here to save it. The kingdom of God is here and now, and we've got full access to bring heaven down. But heaven will only come down when we have the right perspective to bring it.